Everyone, welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is Catfish Weekly, episode 37. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking pre-fishing versus tournament day. Um, also, we're we're going to start working around with possibly shortening up the episodes a little bit. Um, we do want to hear your guys' input on that. Do you like the current length that we're going at? Do you like us? Would you think it'd be a little better if we shortened it up a little bit? Uh, do you want it longer? Um, just let us know. Type in uh, Facebook, Catfish Weekly. Just go in there and, and leave us a comment. Let us know what you think or go to the forums. Uh, let us know what you think there. Um, but we'll talk about a few of the ongoing events that are going on in catfishing this last weekend and coming up this next weekend. But uh, also, want, real quick, want to welcome the newest super fan, Vince Nadoski. Thanks for joining up in the super fan group. We really appreciate it. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to Chuck, and he'll get us going on the pre-fishing versus tournament day. Or I'm, yeah, I said Chuck, right? Yeah, Chuck. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, this is a very good topic. Uh, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, uh, you know, they go about it different ways. I've heard people going out and actually fishing and uh, tying their bait on the line without even using hooks just to see if they're actually trying to take the bait without actually uh, disturbing the fish underwater or whatever. Uh, you know, I've heard people, they, they'll just go out and, and try to mark fish, not even put lines in the water. You know, and I, I, I hear people, you know, they just treat it like a fun fishing day and see how many uh, fish they can get in the boat. Um, you know, when I go out, you know, I just go around, I, you know, I try to mark fish. If I mark fish, you know, I, I fish that spot. If I, uh, if they bite pretty quick, um, you know, I mark the spot and just move on. Uh, how, how do y'all guys do uh, when y'all are out pre-fishing? Live, what's your, um, what do you I do? I spend a lot of time uh, looking with the, my depth finder and trying to find fish and, um, if we find a concentration of fish, we'll, we'll set up on them and and uh, maybe catch one or two. We don't we don't uh, catch very many, and a lot of times we don't catch any at all. Uh, and I have tied bait on uh, to see if they'll hit it and not put a hook on it, or or uh, you know attach it some way to where they won't uh, uh, get hooked and get sore lipped. Uh, personally. I really don't think that makes any difference. I think the fighting of the fish uh, wearing and, and them getting wore out coming to the boat has more effect than than the hooking in them. And the reason I say that, and I may have told this story before, but a few years, several years ago, my son and I was on uh, uh, Truman Lake down in southern Missouri, and uh, he had caught the biggest fish that he'd ever caught, and we put it in a live well. and. We had a bunch of live shad in that live well, and about 10 minutes later, all the shad was gone. 32-pound uh, blue ate every bait we had. We had to go out and get more bait. So having a sore mouth on them does not affect the way they bite. I do not believe that at all, and uh, I'm not even sure that catching them affects them. Uh, although, with that being said, I can on can't honestly say that I've caught one that you know had been recently caught. So. There's no way to prove that other than the fact that I know they'll eat all your bait that's in a live well. But we do spend a lot of time uh, uh, pre-fishing and looking around, providing we have the time to do it. And we mark a lot of spots. And, uh, you know, I'll mark a spot that's got one fish. If it's a good fish, I'll mark that spot and go back to it, uh, especially if there's, you know, if, I, if I'm pretty sure nobody's catching any big fish. I'll set up on one fish and I'll work that thing to death trying to get him in a boat. Uh, you know, if, if it's a good fish, and if it, if you're in a in a channel cat tournament, a lot of time it's kind of hard to tell if uh, if they're big fish or not because they don't show up as giants on your on your screen like uh, uh, blues and flatheads and stuff do. But uh, with the new rule changes that's going into effect, and especially the ones down in Owensboro. And out there where you guys are at, uh, Chris, uh, there's going to be a lot more people, I believe, targeting flatheads. Uh, traditionally, in most of the tournaments that we fish, you'll notice that people don't fish 
if, if they're in blue cat water, they're not looking for big channel cats. They're not looking for flatheads. Normally, you can put more blues in the boat and bigger blues in the boat than you can flatheads on, on any given day in a tournament, and that's what people target. But if you get, uh, just for example, uh, going to Owensboro, if I would happen to put two 30-pound blues in the boat the first day or, or the first few hours of the tournament, I'm thinking I'm pretty good. I'm going to go to a spot where I'm pretty sure I can get into a decent flathead or two and, and then work on my my uh, underfish. Um, if I was confident that I knew where there was a couple of good flatheads, I'd go work on them early and then go to my blue spot. I mean, this is going to be a whole new deal for a lot of people with these regs in effect, and I think that the regulations are a great thing. I think they should have been in effect years before now. I'm hoping the rest of the states and neighbors, uh, Kentucky and all them places, will, will jump on board and get some of this stuff done. But um, in the meantime, it, it's going to have to make tournament fishermen look at the way they fish uh, a lot different than they have in the past because you're going to have to rely on getting two good fish in a boat and, and not hitting a slot fish and then putting your unders in to make up the difference. Now, uh, if, if you go to a tournament and there's no no flatheads in that area or nobody's catching flatheads or they're not on that day, uh, you're going to be looking at smaller blues and and uh, uh, channel cat to fill out your your limit and uh, from what I remember of what Aaron was talking about last week, uh, you know, a 28-inch channel cat in that that tournament's probably going to be kind of out of reach, isn't that that would you understood, Chris? Yeah, for the most part, it will be. I mean, the Ohio River just it, it's starting to see some bigger channel cats, and I believe it's because of the lack of uh, of the the larger blues and the in the food source that's in the water, um, but in a lot of in a lot of the last years, a nine or ten pound channel cat was a really big channel cat for the Ohio River, which at first to me was kind of strange, um, being you know up here up north and fishing in the rivers and stuff and the lakes around here, and I can go catch ten, fifteen pound channel cats just about anywhere around me. Uh, but once I started thinking about it, you know, with how bad um, the commercial fishermen have hit the larger. Uh, Chan or, uh, blues and flatheads and probably even the channels that are in there, uh, it starts to make sense that there's really not very big channels down there. Uh, but you're starting to see them come back now that now that a lot of the, the, the bigger predators that are, are being taken out, you're seeing uh, the 9 to 12 pound channel cats start to show up a little more in these uh, Ohio River tournaments. So Chris, how, how do you treat your uh, pre-fishing when you go out um and and you're and you're trying to get on them for the tournament the next day or two. I've come to the conclusion where actually putting bait on a hook is a curse to me. It's an absolute curse because I will catch a lot of good fish pre-fishing in the days before tournament and go to the exact same spot, do the exact same thing, and even possibly change up the bait or whatever in the same spots and not do nearly as well. I, I mean. For me now, pre-fishing is more about going to catch bait, uh, look at channel ledges, look at structure. Um, I don't even put a pole in the water anymore. I, I go out. I pretty much. I don't even look for. You know, there's there's old things where I've I've watched them and I haven't really. I can't say that I've got great at doing it yet. But the uh, bait fish. When you look and you start seeing bait fish on fish finders. Um, especially on like down imaging and things like that. Um, if you mark, if you mark some good fish right underneath them bait balls, um, I I I want to say that that means that the the um, those fish are not feeding. Those fish underneath the bait balls most of the time, the bait ball is only sitting there because that fish isn't feeding on them. Um, However, I can't say that I always agree with that. I mean, it could be that you're you're marking that fish as he's trying to feed on them. Uh, but they do say that, like, if you mark a nice bait ball and then off behind it or off in front of it a little ways, you see some fish. That means that that fish is feeding and that bait is staying away from them. Um, I've done. I've tried looking at things like that to see if I could see it. 
I have noticed it a few times. I can't say that I'm the greatest at it, but as far as actually fishing during pre-fishing, I've done it a couple times this year, and it's bit me in the butt both times. You know, I catch real nice channel cats or real nice fish in, in the pre-fishing and then go out and just really can't do anything during the tournament. So for me, it's more of uh, going down, like I said, marking the structure, marking um, I'll take my fish finder and set up uh, drift routes, things like that, you know, or, or make waypoints for, you know, areas that I should I want to check out again. Um, you always you always have to remember that you know during the pre-fishing, you know the wind might be coming from a different direction as the day it's going to come out of a tournament. You know, there's the weather might change. There might be a cold front that moves in. Um, really, all these things will factor into what's going to happen during the tournament, and that's. You've heard you've heard me talk a lot about the the log, you know, keeping a fishing log. Um, things like that is how you start to recognize patterns of what fish do. And I think once you start to really understand things, which I'm not sure there is anybody who always understands everything that happens when it's happening, but there are definite signs that are going to tell you. Um, you know, if you fish enough and if you pay attention and write things down and, and try to really make a learning experience out of it, that you'll pick up on, on things before other people will. Um, so I would say that, you know, going out and, and making note of these things, you know, what it's like, where you're, if, if you are fishing the day of the tournament, um, if you don't do good, you know, make a log of where you fished at, how you fished it, and, and you know, you're, just like they say, your failures are how you, is a way you learn to, to succeed, is how, you, you know, learning from all your mistakes. So um, if you don't ever remember the mistakes that you made, you're more likely to repeat them. So, but, yeah, that's that's sort of my pre-fishing thing, my... My tournament day, I go out and actually put baits in the water and hope that, you know, I didn't shoot myself in the in the foot for not going out and putting bait in the water before to find out where they're at. Well, one thing that that I will say about that, and and I don't not tell not saying that I disagree with what you're saying, but if you do put some bait in the water a day or two ahead of time before the tournament starts, it gives you an idea of whether they're biting on skipjack or shad or bluegill or live bait or, or whatever and, and that is the reason that I do it but like I say I don't get extensively about catching a bunch of, of fish but but uh, you know if, if they're biting on skipjack I want to make sure I got skipjack or if they're hitting on shad I, I want shad in my boat I, I want to make sure I've got what they want if at all possible yeah we, we, had, we had them guys the massingales on and um, we was talking to them about uh, a little bit of pre-fishing, and they said if they go out and pre-fish the first couple of days before the tournament and they don't catch any fish, uh, that's when they get really excited because they believe the fish are going to be feeding on that third day pretty good. And I really believe that. And the, the most important part of my pre-fishing, uh, when I go out and I do put bait in the water for a little while, um, I want to find out. Uh, what foot of water that they are actually feeding in, um, and that has uh, been very important, you know, especially for when I go out fun fishing or whatever. Um, I've seen that, you know, if I fish a few days in a row and I'm catching fish in 45, 50 foot of water, um, you know, usually all three days I'm catching fish, you know, using that same pattern, unless a, um, you know, a front comes through. But uh, you know. Going out and putting some bait in the water just to see it, um, you know, what, what feet they're feeding in. They may be feeding, you know, close to the bottom, below the thermocline. They may be feeding on the thermocline wherever the bait fish are running. But uh, finding out that depth that they're actually feeding going into tournament day, uh, you know, really helps me out a lot. Chad Wall has the question, how long do you fish a spot or how many fish do you catch before moving when pre-fishing? Well, uh, go ahead, Lyle. Uh, 
I don't, if I'm not getting bit, I rarely spend more than 20 minutes in a spot. Now, with that being said, if I'm catching a ton of fish out of a spot, it's really hard for me to move unless all I'm getting is short fish. You know, if I'm getting pound, pound and a half fish, you know, once I reach my limit, whether it be three or five, uh, and I consistently are catching small fish, I'm ready to roll because those two and three pounders are not going to win you a tournament very often. So uh, if I'm on fish, like I say, if I'm catching any kind of decent fish at all, I'll stay there until I decide that there's nothing big enough to get me in the money, and then I'll move. But if the fish are not biting 20 minutes max, and I'm out of there. Now, you, you're talking about for pre-fishing. You do that during pre-fishing? Oh, pre-fishing? No, I, I don't spend enough time. I'm, I'm basically looking for fish. And uh, if I'm uh, if I'm pre-fishing uh, 10, 15 minutes, if I get bit, great. If I don't, that's okay. I still know the fish are there. Chuck, um, I'll I'll go in if I mark fish uh, and, and mark or either good structure. Um, I'll, I'll fish that structure for a minute. Um, you know, I'll do I'll spot lock around it. You know, maybe drift around a little bit. Um, um, you know, if I see some fish moving around down there, and um, and you know, even if I don't get bit, I can pretty much mark what size fish are down there in the activity. And you know, 10 or 15 minutes, I'm off. You know, trying to mark something else. Um, you know, because it's not all about you know pulling that fish out of that hole that day. If I sit there and catch, you know, three within 10 minutes. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm gonna move on because I know they were biting there. Um, you know, in 10 or 15 minutes, if I mark some good, um, I'm I'm still out of there. I'm trying to find I'm still trying to find that best spot's what I'm looking for. So, um, you know, I still haven't found it yet, so I'm gonna keep looking. Now, um, Ron Streeter in chat says that he knows some people who go out of their way to fish another person's spot the day before a tournament, basically trying to store let fish in that spot to give themselves an advantage. I've seen that happen. Now do you th now wouldn't you think that I mean in a way unless you know that that you know a person's going to be able to make it to that spot before you I guess that's the only reason I'd see doing it you know I would never do it myself but if you know that you know you've got a spot that you're going to go to and nobody else is going to and they've got a spot they're going to go to and they're going to beat you there I would, because I was gonna say, if you can fish and catch fish there, why not just go to that spot during the tournament? You know, I mean, it's like like we've talked about before, uh, in a tournament, really, any spot isn't in an, any individual spot. I mean, if your boat is faster than theirs and you want to fish it and you get there, that's your spot when you get there. Um, now I do know that a lot of people, you know, have fished with friends that have showed them the spot, and that gets to be a, uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, uh, rocking a hard place right there that you know where you're you you go out with a guy who shows you a spot come tournament day you're like well I've now got this brand new 225 on my sea arc and he's still got that 90 <laughs> you know that's that's where I guess you just got to be a good sport you know and you guys discuss it you know when I go out with my friends fun fishing and I'm going to a spot we're all of the same understanding. If if it's a spot that he's never been to before, during a tournament, they'll and and I've had this happen to me. They'll say, "Are you going to that spot?" And if you're not, you know, can I go there? And I'll say, "Yeah, I don't care. Go ahead. I'm not planning on going there." Or I'll be like, "No, I'm planning on going there." And they'll they'll completely, you know, avoid that spot. So that's just about, I guess, you know, what you work out with the people you take out with you and what you show them. Um, for me, I, I'm just. I guess I'm a pretty nice guy. I, I don't really have any secret spots. I'll take people to places that I do well, and I give them that stipulation. You know, I'm like, if we're going to fish a tournament, just let me know if you're going to try to go here, so that way, uh, if I am, then you, you'll let me have it. And, you know, and that way, you know, they've showed me their spots, and I do the same thing for them, you know. So so, so if, you, if you're going to a new place for the first time, um and you're gonna go out pre-fishing. When you put your boat in, you can head up river, down river. 
um, where do you usually shoot where you've heard about people catching the most fish or do you go where you've already researched yourself and you got a gut feeling that there's going to be good fish there? Me personally, um, I talk to a lot of people. I'll hear, you know, oh, hey, I, you know, downriver's really, really good. Um, you know, it's got this, this kind of water. I, I sort of let them tell me about it. Um, most of the time they're not going to be fishing that tournament anyway, so I wouldn't be taking anybody's spot if they're telling me about it. Um, but a lot of times what I try to do is I, if I've never been to the area, I'll, I'll get on Google Earth and I will go, I'll sit on Google Earth forever and I'll look at that body of water and I'm, I'm getting pretty good now where when you just look at the water, you can sort of see where the current or where the, the channel should be at. So I'll look at you know where the channel should be at if it's going through a bend what what the bend looks like how sharp of a bend it is you know upriver have more sharp bends in it does it have more you know straight area with uh, um, with industry around it does it you know I'll, I I look at all that stuff on Google Earth and I'll and I'll make my game plan and I, when I make my game plan my game plan is a 90-10 is kind of the way I figure it. Because I want to be able to adapt on the spot, but I also want to have a game plan that I'm going to stick to, regardless. So my 90% is my game plan. If I do my game plan for a few hours and I just start to feel like my game plan was not good, and I'm starting to really doubt myself, then I know that I go to my 10%, my base, my backup plan of, you know, doing the opposite of whatever I'd started doing basically, and and trying to figure out what what wasn't working in what I was doing before. That 10% sort of a, uh, the backup plan of, you know, the, the adaptation to figure out what, what is going to work. How about you, Lyle? Um, you know, I, that, that's a catch-22 for me. I, I really don't, um, pay much attention to that. I, I, you know, and, and, when we go back to these guys fishing these uh, other people's spots and soaring their, their mouths up, uh, I, I'd like to touch on that for just a second. I, I've seen guys do this. Uh, I've seen guys uh, at some of the bigger tournaments in my area, they'll go around and see where everybody's fishing a uh, day or two before time, and they'll go in there and try to hit every fish they possibly can, knowing they're not going to fish those spots. And I used to think that was poor sportsmanship, but if you look at it a different way, you're protecting your spot in that tournament. If you can keep them from catching fish, that's a, and you're catching fish. That you know, I, there's a lot of ways to look at that. So uh, it, it's a moral thing to me. I'm not going to do it. Uh, you know, I, for the most part, where we go fishing, I don't know whose spot it is or who thinks it's their place, but. As far as I'm concerned, if I find them fish that's public water and and that spot's as much mine as it is the next guy, and I really don't give a damn whether they like me fishing there or not, because chances are uh, that's just one of many places that I've found to fish for that day. And as far as uh, <clears throat> reading the river, like Chris was talking about, I rely on my hummingbird so much that... Um, I don't really pay that much attention to it, but then again, always in the back of your mind, you know from past experience that there should be a ledge there, or there should be a current seam there, or this or that, but, you know, if that bird don't say it's there, then, you know, I, I, I'm watching it completely. I, my, my heart's in that thing. I've been on boats with every other guys that had everything in the world and I've never seen one yet that I believed in as much as what I got and I don't trust any of the rest of them or I'd have one of their products because if it says it's there it's there and and that's the way it is so uh, my, my whole deal is is following what that thing tells me and, and believing in it and uh, it works for me so, so when you when you get to the boat launch on a, on a new on a new river you've never fished before, you just uh, you've already looked at your hummingbird and you've already pointed out some spots you're gonna go try and, and no matter what you've heard anybody talk about or where the big fish have come from, you just head with your gut feeling. Uh, 
Well, other than one thing, the the one thing that I will rely on, uh, and I say this because I'm a dam fisherman. If there's a dam in the area, I'm at least going to check it out. And, and here's why: a dam on a river is the biggest piece of structure there, and not only is it structure for the fish, uh, if they're running water through, it's oxygen, there's always bait around them, but a high percentage of the time, there's no big fish in there. there there'll usually be some fish, but a lot of times they're small fish, or they move, especially blues, they travel, they go in and out away from structure, they go in and out away from current, uh, but I'll always check a dam out. Uh, if possible, I'll check the upside and the downside, both, but... Um, I, I do like fishing dams. Uh, I like anchoring above them. I like anchoring below them most of all. And, and most of the time when I'm fishing the dam, uh, I'm not up in the locks. If you'll look around before you set up, a lot of the time the fish will be as much as a half mile below that dam in concentrations. Uh, they're not always right next to that dam. and, and from my perspective, what that's telling me is they move up there, they feed, they move back to rest, and they go back and forth, uh, and, and that's my outlook on it. But, yeah, I don't really pay much attention to what other people tell me because, hell, you don't know if they're telling you the truth or not. No, there is a lot of purposeful mis misinformation put out there, too. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and as you were saying, you know, I think one of the reasons why... Um, some of the guys do as well as they do in some of these tournaments is they kind of play on what you're saying, Lyle, by doing the, you know, they set up somewhere along the, the, um, the below the dam and the hydros or wherever, and they'll back bounce that bait and they'll back bounce it a good ways down down the river and they're really covering so much more water and they're in that area that you're talking. You know, where they, they might not be right underneath the boat, but that normally them guys have five five rods you know, straight down or, or back a little bit, and then they'll take that one rod and just sit there and back bounce it way back. And, I, and I've heard, and I, and I myself haven't got real used to doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, practicing it. But the guys that are doing that are normally the ones that I see uh, turning in, you know, the winning weights and stuff like that at tournaments and things. So it's definitely a tactic. You talking about back bouncing way behind the boat? Yep. Um, side drifting or, or, or drifting out your boat is an awesome way to catch fish, but when we're back bouncing, we're anywhere from 125 to 175 feet behind the boat with line counters, and uh, people will tell you that, that you can't feel the bottom, and I will tell you that that is horse crap. Um, I can tell you if you're in sand, you can tell if you're in gravel, you can tell if you're in mud. You can tell if you hit something. Once you get adapted, a, a good, a good sensitive graphite rod is imperative. But what makes you good at it, no matter what kind of rod you have, is doing a lot of it and and learning what everything you touch with that weight is is feel. Now, you know, I back bounce with uh, 175 feet with two ounce weight uh, and a and a piece of of shad the size of my thumb and channel cat tournaments on the Illinois River. Now, understand the Illinois River doesn't have the current as a lot of the rivers do, but that'd be no different than fishing down at Owensboro or somewhere on the Ohio where there traditionally is no current. So uh, a lot of the guys that are dragging baits are dragging them further behind them than that. Uh, now, that is something that I'm not uh, as up to speed as a lot of guys are. But uh, when we started building those bumping rods, Russ DeBoer got one, and he called me up one day, and he said, man, he said, that's the damnedest thing. He said, I can, do, I can bounce 160, 170 feet. He said, I can tell you everything that I hit on the bottom. And I thought he was crazy because I've never attempted to bounce that far before. But if you will get to where you can tell what you're hitting, that distance behind the boat, the boat is, is not even reasonably close to the fish. They have no idea it's even coming. You ain't done nothing to scare them, nothing to upset them, and if they're there and they're eating, you'll take them. Well, we've had a few people. We've had a few people on um, on chat ask about the fish schooling with other uh, size fish. Um, 
I have a thought on that. My my personal opinion is that if you look at um, what they say about catching uh, flatheads and blues where you use small channel cats or small bullheads, or I absolutely think that catfish are, are just a predatory fish. They're definitely going to eat other catfish if they're the size that is going to fit in their gullet and 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 be able to be eaten. So I definitely think that they're only going to be schooled with fish that are above their eating size and 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 above that. I don't think that they're going to be a bunch of 1-pounders swimming around with, you know, 30-pounders. Um I could be wrong, but that's just my personal opinion on it. Um I don't know what you guys think. I agree with that and I, and I'll add one other thing to it. Uh, I, I will say that you will find single big fish out in the water, but a lot of times if there's one, there'll be another in close by. Uh, I, I believe that they would rather be two or even three of them traveling or moving at a time together than, than one, but I've seen times when I know for a fact there was only one big fish there, but a lot of times there'll be more than one where there's one. Yeah, after after they get through spawning and um, uh, they, you know they start recuperating and um, you know they spread out. They're so spread out, it's hard for them to you know to regroup. But you know about this time of year, I start seeing them uh, you know grouping up and and you know twos, threes, fours. Sometimes on you know on uh, some nice drop offs and stuff. You know, actually, I've marked you know. You know, eight or ten that you could tell was, uh, you know, medium-sized catfish. What I call, you know, forty, seventy pounds. I've actually seen uh, that many nice arches, you know, within one location cruising around with, um, you know, with the trolling motor. So, you know, I think after they, uh, you know, get through spawning, recuperate, get their energy back, start feeding a little bit, they they regroup within their size ranges, and um, you know the the little ones aren't going to get around no big ones. They're going to. Uh, no, I don't think so. They're, they're going to keep their distance. Now, now you were talking about saying that you see uh, you see the larger ones on your finder. Are you of the opinion that no matter where that that uh, triangle beam that's hitting the bottom and, and giving you your your uh, your your uh, your fish arch on your finder like if it's on the far right hand side do you think that's going to give you the same size if it, as if it was directly underneath you uh, no but that's when I switch to my side imaging and, and watch the shadows and stuff and you know most of the time if they're on drop offs and ledges and stuff and they're not holding tight the structure they're far enough off the bottom where you can see good shadows and you know, that's when I've actually counted, you know, four or five nice, nice shadows to the right and kind of straight down, and then, um, you know, four off to the side. One example, we was by the big 231 bridge on Gunnersville on a drop-off one day, and uh, I, I actually, you know, they were running the current very mild, and um, we I was actually watching my bait. I know it had to have been bouncing off of the fish, and they wasn't taking it. They wouldn't feed for nothing, but you knew they were catfish, and, uh, you know, they just wouldn't feed. And you could see shadows everywhere, and you, you, there's nothing you could do to get them to feed. But, um, yeah, they, they'll stay grouped up, and, um, you know, and, and, and then when the water temperature drops below 50, you know, that's the good spots where you can go um, – you know, precision anchor on them when you find them like that, you know, and when they, when they decide to feed and that uh, scent gets to them where they can't stand it no more, hopefully they'll, you know, take you. Now, one of the things, I think he's froze up on, on us a little bit. Okay. Um, one of the things that, you know, from, from going on what he said, where I, that's, that's what I've always been, uh, at, as the understanding is, if that fish is on the far right of the cone or the far le far left of the cone, you're not going to get the same arch as if that fish was directly underneath it. Um, and, and sometimes that will make it real hard to tell you 
whether or not that's a quality fish or not, especially when you're somewhere like the Ohio River and, you know, quality fish are few and far between. So, um, one of the, my, my main screen that I run on my 1199 is the three-way screen of side imaging of 80% of my screen and 10% on the two other left, uh, bottom and top left-hand side is uh, down imaging and um, switch fire which is my arches. Um, so when I see them arches, one of the things, and this is, you know, I guess for those of you who are, have ever thought about, you know, I don't really need all that fancy stuff and stuff like that, it's absolutely 100% worth having. Um, even even on the, the smallest of units on a 798 or 799 uh, with a 5-inch screen or whatever, you can switch through that view and have the quick the the quick preset buttons where you can switch through them, uh, especially them three things. And first thing I'm going to look at if I if I mark a, a a fish on my switch fire, I go up one spot to my down imaging. On my down imaging, I look to see if I can see that fish, and if I see anything in between the bottom and that fish. Because sometimes you will get what looks like arches and things like that from tree branches, uh, junk on the bottom of the river, um, all that stuff. But if you go to your 2D or your uh, down imaging and you look on there and you see basically a gap between the bottom and you see just a, a dot that, you know, and, and, it, and you can look and see how big that dot is to help you determine how, how quality of a fish that is. Once I do that, after I've got that down imaging look and I decide, okay, there's separation between the bottom and that fish, that's definitely a fish, I look to my side imaging. My side imaging is going to show me to the left and to the right. That's going to tell me exactly where that fish was at. If it was behind me to the right, if it was behind me to the left, it was, it was directly underneath me. Um, so, you know, if it's showing me a pretty decent arch and it was behind me and off to the right quite a ways, I'm probably going to go take my cursor over, put a mark right on top of that fish, switch over to my map view, and then go over there and, and put a bait on them. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, I do that a lot during the wintertime, uh, precision anchoring. Um, you know, if you're passing by it and, and you think there may be more and you go on pass and, you know, if you move your cursor on over to the fish, um, you know, he may not be in that same spot right now, but, um, you know, they usually stay in the same area. Matter of fact, a while back, you know, we was talking about a while back, you know, just, you know, fish are fish territorial and all that. Um, I was, there was a guy, he had caught a fish and tagged it. It was a flathead. It was 30 pounds. And he brought it back. He released it. Uh, 10 miles from where he caught it from and um, his buddy went back to their hole and he caught the exact same fish with that tag on it um, within you know 50 yards from where they caught it so that flathead went back uh, you know he, he released it 10 miles down river the flathead came back within 50 yards from uh, where it was caught before so I know at least flatheads are probably territorial and they probably want to stay around the same structure and I believe after blues migrate um, you know I've caught some fish on Gunnersville uh, within the same rock structure that I, I've, I could have swore two years in a row that it was the same fish so I think after they um, you know migrate up river um, in the tributaries or wherever they go uh, I believe they try to do go back to their home range and their uh, the structure they're used to and uh, you know go back to it. Yeah, there's definitely spots on the river that I mean, if you look at it as like in a human's terms, you know, if there was a nice mansion with a pool and you know 14 bedrooms and if uh, nobody was in it, we could just move in. You know, there's places like that in the river. It's a 14 bedroom mansion with a pool. There's always going to be a couple fish in it, you know. I mean, they're just gonna, they're gonna be coming up to there, and if there's nothing in there, they're gonna be like, well, heck yeah, I'm gonna be living here for a little while. Yeah, especially the large dominant fish that you know they're the king of the river, and you know, um, you know wherever they want to hang out, nobody's gonna tell them they can't. So, uh, you know, that's why I love fishing structure. Even if if I find good structure and I don't mark any fish on it. 
Um, that's where I've had most of my success, especially uh, precision anchoring during the winter. I'll mark that spot and I'll fan cast at it and around it. And, um, you know, usually uh, there's a good fish hanging around it. I yeah, think that... dead on with that. And, and another thing, I'll go one step further with that. I think they'll go back year after year to the same general area. And I think they'll go back to the same spawning areas year after year also. Oh, yeah. I'd believe that, too. Now, do you think there's a dominance in, in like, a, you know, I this might be a dumb question. I don't really know. Would you, almost like a harem for, for a, a big trophy cat that, you know, was like a, a the alpha dog of the area? You think he like just like deer or anything else? The the females are looking for the biggest, the baddest, the one that's going to do the most protecting of the nest, the ones that are not going to take any crap off the other ones when they come in there, and it's just a pecking order for any any dominant species of any kind. The dominant ones are going to survive, and the less dominant ones are not going to make it. I, I believe that with any species of living organism in the whole world. Yeah. I mean, because when you watch, you know, National Geographic or anything like that, turtles, deer, bear, I mean, just about everything in the animal kingdom, you know, does that. I mean, I would yeah. have to think that it's it's pretty similar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. Uh, fe females, you know, uh, especially blue catfish, females, from what I've seen, they get... You know they they're the ones that grow the the you know the largest size and everything. Um, from me uh, trying to identify a male, I'm no expert at it or looking at it, but I look at large spawning scars and stuff like that where they've been actually fanning on uh, fanning on nest and uh, rubbing big sores in them. And uh, you know they're usually got uh, larger heads, um, longer, leaner. Uh, you know I've caught. 45, 50 pound males that, you know, and they're meaner and crap. You can, they're just mean and lean. Um, you know, so they can go both, both ways. Those, um, mean, the mean, uh, 50 pound males, you know, and, uh, you know, the 80 pound females, you know, they're all dominant. They're going to, you know, nothing's going to stay around their areas. And, um, uh, you know, more or less, as far as I'm concerned, they're the Kings of the river. There's nothing that can, uh, you know, that's going to try to run them off or anything else. Um, I agree. I've watched, you know, we, we watched the YouTube video not long ago when the, I think it was in the Mississippi River where the divers were diving with the flatheads. And um, they this one diver, there was a flathead that was um, right up against some structure and it was a rock about the size of a softball and the flathead was probably in its 30, you know, 30 pound range. And he was right up against that small rock and it was the only structure in the area and he was right up against it like he was hid. And that diver rubbed his hand on it, and that flathead just, you know, swam right off. Um, you know, I think they could probably be persuaded to leave a lot easier than a blue from anything else. You know, a blue would probably hold his ground the way I think of them and, you know, try to keep their territory to themselves. from what I've uh, noticed about, you know, how mean they are and... Um, you know the way the way I see them in the same areas over and over and grouped up. I would agree with that, except for during spawn time. I would say in spawn time, the least one that I would want to mess with would probably be a flathead. When they're on a nest, I don't want no part of them. Oh yeah, they're they're pretty mean. Yeah, and. Justin Browning's in the chat. When you start seeing Pay Lake and Dumpster and Ohio River all in the same sentence, you know Justin Browning's there. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome, Justin. Nice to see you in chat again. I talked to Justin at uh, at the Iron Man this last weekend. Um, he watches the show. He's had he's had a hard time logging into the chat. I, I gave him some advice. Try to get that worked out. Looks like he got it. So nice to see you jump in here and watching the show. So when you're uh, when you're pre-fishing, we was talking to uh, Casey last week about this or the week before, and you know we was asking them about uh, you know using the spot lock feature. Um, you know if if he if he's uh, drifting through an area and he starts getting some rod action and he sees some 
um, you know, some nice activity below him, either being arches or, you know, just activity on the 2D or whatever. Does he hit the 2D and, uh, you know, sift, sit still for a minute to see if they're going to uh, keep hitting or do you keep trucking along? Um, you know, he says he keeps trucking along. What 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 do y'all do in those situations? Do you spot lock that area and hover around it for a minute? Um, or you just say, well, my bait went through there and they didn't touch it, so I guess they're not feeding, so I'm going to keep on moving. How do y'all uh, go about that? Myself, personally. Go ahead, Lyle. Go on, check out, Chris. Well, this, this weekend, uh, I was fishing the Ironman. Um first part of the segment, you know, I, I tried um, basically just uh, trying for a flathead for the first half and, and a couple spots that I had known about and didn't do too well. But the second half, um, you know, we went downriver. We were drifting. I mean, I would say the entire time, you know, I mean, a good 70% of the water we was in, we were marking fish. And, uh, you know, like you just hit these pockets where, You'd, you'd get four, you know, like we were just talking about, you'd get four or five good-looking fish all, all just right in one little area. And you'd see them, like I was watching this whole time, and that's it's one of the coolest things. If nobody's ever seen it, I, I, I only hope that you get to see it and you start looking, you know, fishing on the river. But when you watch those fish, you'll see your lines down in the water, you know, drifting in the water column where they're at. You can reel them up and drop them, and you'll see them on there. And then you'll start seeing lines where there's fish sitting there and occasionally you'll see the fish actually come up to your bait you'll see them doing it well our entire trip we were watching fish do this to our bait and they just you know they were coming up sniffing it we had uh, ten poles in the water or nine poles in the water and we had all kinds of different bait out and most of it was all fresh so um, I don't know if they just weren't in a real great feeding uh, pattern right at that time or what but I mean, we caught a few fish but on those pockets where we would see a good four or five fish, and some of them look like good quality fish, um, you know, we were only drifting at like 0.6 mile an hour. So what I tried to do is once I got through them a little bit, I almost just turned the boat at a cockeyed backwards and sort of drift back up through them. Uh, because I, I believe that it doesn't matter which way. I, I think they like it a little better going with the current. It seems a little more natural, but I definitely think they'll still bite it going against the current. Um, and then what I'll do is once I've once I've drifted sort of back through them going the opposite way, I'll drift at them basically going vertically, you know, back and forth one way through them. If I don't get a bite out of the stuff that I did there, then I just keep going. But I don't I don't spend like any more than maybe 10 or 15 minutes just positioning my boat around that little pocket. Yeah, I don't either. If, if I don't, uh, I'll, I'll go through it maybe twice. If they don't hit something on the way through or on the way back through, uh, I, I'm done with that place. I'm going on to the next spot. Since, since you've uh, since you've got the uh, you, you have the spot lock feature, right, Lyle? No, I do not have spot lock. Oh, you don't? No. Okay. I do. The anchor, the anchor lock is, is really useful. I mean, I, I use it uh, normally on a drift. I can't say that unless I see like two, and this has only happened to me one time, and I actually, I don't think I even did it then, but unless I see, you know, two or three of the biggest marks I've seen on my fish finder, you know, it's really hard to just keep going once you see something of real, real quality. I mean, I think I was in Leavenworth, and I found a spot where I marked two fish, and I even had a real good bite, and they were the two biggest fish to this day that I've ever seen on my graph. And, you know, I, I, I actually drifted down past them and then came back up and drifted through the hole again. But I, at that time, I wasn't real quick, you know, real, real in the head. I wasn't thinking hit spot lock or anything like that. I think today, if that were to happen again, I would probably spot lock on it and sit there for a few minutes. But I wouldn't sit there for a real long time. Yeah, just slow down enough to see, uh, you know, to see if they're going to take it. Um, you know, I believe you got you got six, six baits down, you know, staggered, and you're, you've covered you're covering a lot of water. So you're in a with, with rod links and all. You know, you've probably got 
a 25 uh, foot circular um, you know it's that baits all around and they see it they smell it they know it's there uh, you know give them a chance they might freaked out because they were like it was moving a while ago now it stopped um, you know but if they don't hit it within a couple of minutes you know just I don't see no reason on sitting there and wasting your time anymore because if you get a hit by one that's hungry it's probably one that has come up current anyway that you would have been heading down toward him and you'd have probably just caught sooner um, you know if, if I if I stop on one if I get a hit usually it's when I when I slow down and just stop for a second um, and usually most of the time when I do that you know they hit it immediately anyway so um, you know, because you know, if I'm drifting and I catch a fish, or if if a rod goes down, um, I always hit spot lock now. Um, you know, because most time I don't. I'm right on a channel edge and I'm fighting a fish, and then all of a sudden I'm up in eight foot of water before you know it, and every rod's hung up and you got a fish on too. So that's one good thing about the spot lock. Um, you know, the way I fish anyway, because um, you know, as soon as I get that fish on. I just go ahead and hit spot lock, and uh, I don't have to worry about what my boat's doing. It's going to sit right there within, uh, it may swing around 25 foot, but, you know, at least I'm not, you know, 50 yards away from where I was at when I'm through. That, that's another thing that I need to get better at doing. Honestly, I'm kind of, I do exactly what you said you just don't do. I kind of just let the boat go <laughs> and get the fish in. But I do need to get to where I'm hitting spot lock for, for two reasons. Number one, is that, like Lyle and you guys said, that most of the time there's not going to be just one fish down there. There's going to be other fish down there. So if you spot lock right there, even if you passed it up by 5 or 10 feet, you're still going to be in a close enough area where there might be another fish down there that, that, that bites onto one of them other rods that's still down there. That's so. exactly right. That's it. One of the things, I, you know, I don't have spot lock. That's a feature that, that I will have on the next one. But... You know, one of the things that I know to catch myself doing, and I actually I don't catch myself doing, I get get yelled at because Cindy's on me. But you know, once we get a fish on, it, you guys have a spot lock. You can hit that spot lock and you stop to get the fish in the boat. With me, I got to turn the thing off, and then you're in free mode uh, until you get the fish in and you start your drift again. What happens to me is I forget to turn it off. And invariably, that fish is going the opposite direction of what the trolling motor's going. So you're you're not only fighting the fish, you got extra amount of current because you're doing it. So it's something you got to do: is either spot lock, lock it down, or turn it off uh, so you're not fighting everything. Because the first thing you know, you got four or five lines tangled up, and you just got a mess. Yeah. Um. Uh, while we got a lot of people in the chat and everything. Uh, at the beginning of the show, I talked a little bit about possibly, you know, we're just looking to get input from everybody. So if everybody in the chat room or that's watching, um, you know, we're thinking about possibly shortening up the, the episodes. Uh, they're running about an hour, hour and ten minutes right now. Um, thinking maybe 45 minutes if we can get that. We might not be able to do it. Um, we might decide not to. But... What's your input? Give us your input. Type it in the chat right now. Let us know if you think you'd like the show to be a little bit shorter. You like it the way it is. You want it longer. Just give us your input. What are you thinking on, on the length of the shows that we're doing right now? They can also uh, leave messages on YouTube, the, the people that are watching on YouTube. Yeah, on YouTube. While you're on there and leave us a message of whether you like the length of the shows or you think we ought to shorten them. Yep, on YouTube, on um, if if you want to, you can go to our forums, uh, catfishweekly.com forward slash forum, uh, the Facebook page or the Facebook group. We have both of them. You can just uh, make a comment in there. Let us know what you think. Um, basically, just just give us your input, your honest input. You like how long they're they're running right now? You want them a little bit shorter? Want them a lot shorter? You want them a lot longer? Not saying you're going to get what you want, but it'll definitely help us make decisions and try to make the show better for everybody. Um, you know, if you, if you even if we were also even contemplating doing like a uh, a two or three minute commercial break and somewhere in the middle of the show sometime, if you think that's a good idea, uh, let us know. 
maybe that's something we can pursue as well. You know, give people time to get a drink, go to the bathroom, things like that. Yeah, we most of the time we we don't have no set length. We just pick a topic. We go with the flow. Um, when we think we're finished up, um, you know, or if we have a guest, you know, we we just go with the flow until um, until everybody's happy and you know it's over. Um, so we want to hear y'all's opinions on what y'all think. Also, uh, we have uh, Monsters on the Ohio coming up. Um, Lyle, Chuck, and myself, we're going to get everything ironed out, hopefully, um, in the next few days or whatever, for exactly when and where we're going to be doing some filming at. Uh, we're thinking we're not going to be able to do some live filming, but we are going to do the filming to, to put it, you know, an episode together. It's, it's probably going to be pretty long. We're probably going to do about an hour of filming on Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday. Well, Thursday, we're thinking possibly Thursday around 3 to 4 p.m. We want people to be able to go out in the morning, in the afternoon, or in the uh, evening for bait fishing. Um, so this nothing's in stone right now. I'll probably let you know next weekend, for sure, or next Monday, for sure, uh, what, where we're going to be. But we're thinking 3 to 4 possibly on Thursday, um, Friday, after the captain's meeting for an hour, probably wherever the captain's meeting is held at. Um, I think it's, he said it was still at the church, didn't he? Yes. So at that church, we'll, we'll do it for about an hour after they're done doing the raffle and everything after the captain's meeting. Um, if you want to get a, a quick interview done with us or be on the show or whatever, um, just look for us. We'll probably be sitting at a table somewhere getting set up or getting ready to do some filming. Uh, we'll, we'll ask questions like how you pre-fished and, and what you were seeing and just a few things like that. What's yeah, that? Some honest answers on that. Yeah, I, we want to know exact locations. Great you know. coordinates. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so make sure you got your honest face on. and and But, yeah, Friday, Friday we'll do that after the captain's meeting and then probably Saturday after the tournament is over and they've done all the weigh-ins and everything, uh, we'll try to talk to... Uh, some people there about how they did and hopefully the winners and a few other people uh, we'll have on there and we'll talk about how the tournament went down and everything like that and then we'll get everything uh, edited together and have like a special Monsters on the Ohio Catfish Weekly Edition we'll, we'll put on YouTube and let you guys watch that so yeah so we're sacrificing a lot by doing this show and not being out catching bait and, and pre-fishing so um, you know all of the grid coordinates we could get, uh, you know, would be great. <laughs> well, we had talked, I had talked to Jeff Dodd, who is supposed to be down there, and to Jason and Daryl Massengill about coming on the show. Now, I asked them if they would all three come on the show together. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't only imagine how that would be, but I know it would be awesome, uh, and I will try to contact those guys, and I know Jeff's not been under the weather, uh, I don't know if he was having some test run or, or just what, but uh, wishing the best and hope he's feeling better, and, and uh, when he gets down there to the Monsters, we sure enough want to get Jeff Dodd on the show, and Daryl and Jason, you know, they, they, if we could get the three of them on a show, that, that there may not be any stopping, I might not have enough uh, that might be get it done. That might be an hour long episode on its own. Absolutely, but it'd be great. You know, it really would. <laughs> you guys that that want to be a part of this, if you're interested in being on the show, get a hold of us and let us know. I've talked to a bunch of people, and I know that that Jason and Vicky are going to try to step on there, and I figure Vince will, and and uh, Janet and Bink, and and I've just asked a ton of people that's going to be there. And, uh, you know, what we'll have to do is cut it to uh, everybody just have a few minutes to get on there and and, uh, and we'll visit with them for a few minutes and, and uh, go along. But, you know, like you say, if, if, if we can get Jeff and Daryl and Jason on there, it, it just we just may just have to let them go at it. And you guys all need, you guys all need to be looking on Saturday night after that uh, after that 
tournament's over with, Lyle might be wearing a different hat at the end of that episode. Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to be wearing the Cardinals hat. You see this right here? <laughs> they are the National League Central Champions. Uh, thank you, Reds, and your fans for stepping up to the plate and putting us in that position. But uh, Jan will be wearing the Cardinals hat. There's no doubt about it. I've, I've done got guys looking for bait. I've got guys looking for spots. They're promising me fish, so she's in trouble. <laughs> yeah, all guys, right. when y'all are out pre-fishing and uh, we're doing the show and all, just, uh, you know, take pictures of some fish when you're pre-fishing. Make sure you get the good background so we'll know where you're at. And uh, post them on our uh, web, on our uh, Facebook page. Better and, yet, uh, better just, yet, if you guys want to get on the show, when you're when you come to a captain's meeting, just slip us a few skipjack or shad, and we'll make sure. <laughs> well, we if, you, if you send me all of those pictures and all those GPS coordinates, believe me, I'll make sure Chris and Chuck. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, we got anything else to throw on this, or are we pretty good and about ready for closing statements? I think we're ready. All right. Well, go ahead and start us off with your closing statement there, Chuck. Uh, yeah. Uh, Alabama Catfish Trail, we've changed launches. Uh, they're dropping the river five feet is uh, why we had to change the launch we was going to be come, going out of. Uh, you would have had to back the trailer up in 100 yards of mud to get to the channel. Uh, they're dropping the lake uh, five feet so people can do pier. Uh, and dock repairs. Um, it's going to be down for a couple of weeks. It should be back up before the tournament, but, but they're not positive, so we went ahead and changed launch. It's going to be out of Gadsden Landing um, on October 25th in Gadsden. Um, you know, just go to the uh, Alabama Catfish Trail page. Um, our director, Daniel Parsons, he's doing a really great job keeping it up. we got a website that uh, he's got posted up now. And um, he's got next year's schedule made out. Uh, he'll be posting it soon. He's got a, uh, I think he's waiting on a couple more um, schedules to come out before he carves it in stone. But uh, if you live within 100 miles, come on out, and uh, it's going to be fun. All right. Lyle? I um, just want to remind everybody that uh, October 25th and 26th in Keokuk, I will be the year-end tournament. We're going to guarantee $5,000 first-place prize money up there. Should be a great turnout. Should be a great tournament. The fish should be biting depending on weather conditions. Uh, it'll be the end of October, so it could be anything by then. Uh, can't wait to get to uh, Owensboro. I think it's going to be an outstanding time. And make sure everybody comes and finds us. Look us up. Uh, there's nobody in the world that loves to BS more than me, so I'll be glad to visit with you about fishing or rods or, or just general whatever. You know, um, like I say, see, we kind of got an open door policy. When Cindy gets ready to go to bed, I stay outside and and uh, shoot the crap with whoever wants to go, and uh, and we just have a wonderful time at these things, and and uh, that's why we're going down there. Uh, I know, like I mentioned, Jeff Dodd's been under the weather. You guys get a chance, drop him a note, tell him you hope he gets feeling better. One of the outstanding personnel in, in catfishing. Um, another another guy I'd like to put a shout-out to is my good buddy Ron Workman. Even though he is a Cubs fan, he's been under the weather and is in the hospital. And uh, In case you hadn't heard uh, anybody that gets a chance, drop him a line. I know he's not going to be answering them for a day or two, but uh, Ron is such a great guy that... Uh, uh, any support that he gets, so I know he'll appreciate. All right, yeah, good, good deal. Those guys, uh, we we hope that you guys get to feeling better real soon. Uh, like Lyle said, both great, great guys. So I'll definitely send them both a message. I did, I did know about uh, Dodd. I just seen a picture of him laying in a hospital bed. Didn't know what was going on or anything like that. I think I was out fishing when I seen it, and uh, so I'm gonna send him a message. I didn't know about Ron, so I'll send Ron a message as well and let them know that I'm I'm thinking about him. But uh, I want to let everybody know that uh, let's see, Iron Man just this last weekend, Brian Burnett and Don Elder they won that tournament with 57 pounds. Uh, that was a I guess you're looking at about a nine pound average I guess out of six fish. So that just again shows you the Ohio River needs some help. Um, 
You know, I think it was three years ago was the first Ironman that I fished, and there was a 70 or 80 pound fish caught. Uh, past few years, nowhere near. I mean, that's those fish are long gone right now. They're you know 30 pounds. Those are the those are the monsters of the Ohio for the most part right now. Um, but Brian Burnett, we all know that you're the one that's catching all those fish. Don't don't let Don Elder take all the credit. <laughs> great couple um, right there. Great couple. Great guys. Good fishermen. Just outstanding people. Yeah, them good guys. Um, the SWOCC in the Ohio Hills and the Catfish Country, uh, they're all having, I guess, a combined tournament out of Shawnee State Park Marina. Uh, that's in West Portsmouth, Portsmouth Ohio. It's a 100% payout, $60 entry fee. That's this weekend, October 4th. It's 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Um, what they're doing is, I guess, the DNR is going to be there. They're going to be tra uh, tagging some trophy fish. Uh, for the study, they're going to be, you know, doing a study on watching the uh, uh, traveling patterns of the big trophy flatheads and blues, and and uh, just trying to get more information. The more information that these DNRs get and have, the better. Uh, so if you can make it to that, you know, they'd really appreciate it. You can get a hold of uh, Vince Nadoski on Facebook, or uh, if you have his phone number, give him a call if you want more information on it. Um, so good luck for you guys down there. I really wish. It wasn't so far away, and it wasn't during all these other tournaments that I can't afford to go to all this stuff. So if I could, I'd be there, though. That's what sponsors like Lyle's for. Tell him to send you a check. Yeah, yeah Lyle, send me a check so I can, <laughs> so I can go fish more tournaments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can afford to send you a check. I'd go more of them <laughs> send me a check and more rods because you know how I, I extreme durability test them at the bottom of the river. Well, I'm breaking them. I'll say that. <laughs> I wonder how they're holding up down there. Go I think I think they're perfect still. I'm gonna go back and get them in a couple years. And <laughs> hey, if anybody ever does find them, my name's on them. You know, I, they might return them to me. <laughs> Custom. But uh, besides that, you know, we do still have advertising spots available. Um. The uh, $30 for three months, $50 for six months. Um, so if you're interested in any of those, I know Vince talked about getting one of those possibly. Uh, Scott Wiseman, I think, has one. So um, you'll see some new advertisements as soon as they, as soon as they uh, get back with me there. But there's more spots available. Um, also, the Super Fan Club, uh, it's only $10. Tons of great perks to getting into that club. Um, you'll see more information on that in the forums. Go to the catfishweekly.com forward slash forums. I believe it's in the news section. Um, you can sign up for that. And besides that, uh, we look forward to seeing you at Monsters. Uh, we'll get you, everybody, the more detailed information on exactly what times and where we're going to be at uh, for the three days of Monsters. Uh, we'll get that to you next Monday. Um, also, we're thinking for next month for the giveaway, we're going to do two super fan packages with some Black Horse Custom Rods decals. Uh, we're going to give those away probably at the end of the month. And as far as the contest itself, we might do something with uh, subscribing and liking some of the videos on YouTube, um, commenting on them, something along those lines. We'll, we'll get all that figured out and let you know for sure on next Monday's episode as well. Um, so definitely keep that in mind and we appreciate everybody watching the show. If you got any questions or comments or anything like that, you know how to get a hold of us and definitely for monsters and any other time, make sure that you stay out of my spot.